Connie, um, can I minister to you? Okay. Um, this morning in worship, I was just, um, I just saw your face and I felt like there have been times in your life where you felt um, like you're singing, you're singing the right song in the wrong key. And then I felt like there were times in your life where you felt like you were singing the right key, but the wrong song. So it was like, just kind of like, it was almost there, but not quite. And I feel like there's a, a really beautiful season that the Lord is even bringing you into, um, that you're going to be singing the right song in the right key. And it's really going to be just such a beautiful fulfillment, not only for you, but for those around you. And it's like, they're going to see, and they're going to say, that's what she was made for. They're going to know, and you're going to know. Um, and I just even... In that, um, I just heard that there's there's a, a voice almost of criticism that's going to try to talk you out of that. Um, and I just speak a silencing to that voice right now in Jesus' name. We just speak a silencing to that criticism. And God, we bless that beautiful, beautiful song that you've given her. God, that it's the right time, it's the right place, it's the right key, it's the right song. So God, we release her in freedom um, to run with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. And Aaron, you're back. Can I Can I give a word to you? Awesome. <laughs> I saw or I heard the Lord say that he's um, going to begin to really use you um, and he's going to begin to tune your ear to the word, word of knowledge. Um, and that's really going to come into play even in your in your work and what you do. Um, and I, I saw almost where there's going to be times where he speaks to you something that would seem above your uh, level of authority, um, like something that that you think this is not my place to say. Um, and I just saw the Lord as he begins to train your ear in that. It's going to start with the smaller things, but he's even going to build you up into a, a place of confidence, even in um, hearing his voice in that specific way, that he's even going to use you to speak into higher ups within your organization, um, that it, that, um, it wouldn't seem appropriate. Um, but the Lord is going to teach you in ways to even do that. Um, and I heard the Lord say that he's even put an anointing on you for corporate wealth um, and that he's put a Daniel anointing on you. So even as that word of knowledge, even as Daniel uh, would go before the king and he had words that would even unlock um, prophetic destiny for the, the nation at that time, that he's even going to do that for you within your organization, but then even in, in bigger spheres out from there. So God, we release that over her. Father, I thank you that her ear is tuned to the word of knowledge that you've even uh, are gonna be speaking to her. And God, we just even speak favor, favor, favor. God, even as Daniel had great favor in the nation and with the king, with the highest authority, God, we just even prophesy that right now that Aaron is gonna have uh, favor with the highest authority in her realm of influence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I have one more, if that's okay. Danny and Amanda, can I minister to you? I got to have head nods before I start. No, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, I saw or I heard the Lord say that he's bringing you into a time where um, it's going to be as if it's a th he's putting you in a three-legged race. And so I don't know if you've seen, you know what a three-legged race is, where um, you have to work together. Um, and between the two of you, I just felt like this is a really strong season uh, of you working together. Uh, and the key to a three-legged race is communication. And so I just really saw, <laughs> I just really saw in this time that communication is going to be your greatest strategy. Um, and even as you're communicating together, um, what could seem to be very difficult at first, um, you know, walking and moving together, that it's really going to be a, a training time for you you and what before in times past where you saw um, where where it was almost like like this battle to stay in the right direction um, that through this season of, of intense communication not intense like you know bad but communication um, between you that it's going to be it's going to cause within you such a solidity and such a firmness that no longer um, is there a struggle but you'll be able to go with with force in the same direction. So God, we just bless them. God, we bless their um, communication. God, we bless their relationship. Father, we bless their unity. And God, I thank you, Father, that you're truly speaking over them, um, that one can put 10,000 to flight, or 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. So Father, we speak uh, a greater dynamic unity inside of them, God, that is truly um, going to knock down doors um, that were previously there. So Father, we bless them. We bless their journey. We bless their life. Uh, and we bless them individually and together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Amen. I like to start out that way because I don't always get to do it. So um, just because there's not always time. So now I have a 13-page message for you. Are you ready? Okay. So um, today I want to talk about a powerful gospel. Um, you know, we don't, we don't serve a powerless God, and we're not powerless people. 
Now, how many of you have recognized um, that our world does not look so powerful right now? It looks a little like messy, a little chaotic. We've got um, natural disasters. We've got um, political battles. We've got divide like we've never seen. Um, all of these things happening. If you watch the news, you're constantly bombarded with things that are going wrong in our nation and in our world. Now, we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our world. It is, there are people dying. You know, we need to be um, ones who are not just ignoring and turning a blind eye to what is happening. Um, but what we can't do is remove ourselves because of all that we see and say that we're a powerless people. And it's a, 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 such, it's a powerless situation. It can seem very hopeless, but it's not hopeless. Um, and this is why. We, of all that's going on in the world right now, it can seem overwhelming. We, you, me, all of us who are alive today are the only ones who were equipped to live in this time. We are the only generation that the history has ever seen to live in this time. We are the ones that have the solutions for today's problems. We are the ones that have what it takes to see our nation not only um, not fall apart, but to thrive and to really um, fulfill prophetic destiny. We're the ones um, who, who have been put here for such a time as this. We're not victims of our times. And I think that's really, really powerful. If we see ourselves as victims of our times, oh, I can't do anything. Um, I see all of this happening. What can I do? We are not victims. And if you see yourself as a victim, then you won't step out. You won't think that you have anything to contribute. And what a sad, powerless place to be. And so we can't be a church. Uh, uh, we can't be believers who believe that we're victims, that we're powerless, because we are the ones. We're the ones, guys. We're the ones. We're like the A-team. We're like first string. I'm using analogies, and I don't even know what I mean because they're sports, but we're like the ones. We're the ones God picked. First string, right? That's right. Okay. That's who we were called to be. God is not behind the times politically. He's not behind the times in what's going on today. He is very much alive and very much powerful right now. And we are the ones that get to partner with him in this season. He's given us the grace. He's given us the divine enablement to do everything that we need, that this world needs for us to succeed and for us to thrive uh, today in 2017, almost 2018. So, if I, if I give you an example, um, have you noticed how children seem to be born now with an iPhone in their hands? Like, they just know. It's like instinctively, they just know. And then like some, like, you know, ones who were not born in this, in this technological day are like, how do they do that? I don't understand. I can't figure this thing out. How do I turn it on? Let alone, how do I do something with it? So have you noticed how it's just, they just know? And a lot of times I get these questions, tech, tech support questions. I'm not, I'm not in IT, I'm not a tech genius, but I'll get these questions. And more often than not, if I'm not able to directly help them, this is what I'll say. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to put anyone down. I just say, if you have a child around you, go find the nearest child that you can trust with your device and they will help you to figure it out because they just can. It's like they just can figure it out somehow. Now, is that because our, our society is so, so entrenched in technology that they just are, they're just born ready to know how to use these things? I think that's part of it. But I also believe that God has put inside of a generation what they need to succeed in today's world, in 2017. They're not just learning these things on day one of their life, God has actually put in them the grace to already know how to thrive in 2017. And so I believe that God has put inside of every generation exactly what we need, whether that's resources, whether that's solutions, whether that's just the grace for us to live under what would seem like an unbearable pressure. We are not powerless, but we're powerful people in this day and age to thrive. And so if you look at your children and you say, oh my gosh, they can't focus on anything. Okay, there's some things we need to work on. I'm a part of that. I don't have ADD. I can focus. But there's also things that he's put inside of our kids and inside of us that we need 
today in order to provide the solutions that this world needs. So as believers, we were called to be leaders in culture. So if that's the case, if we're called to be leaders, not just one voice in a sea of voices, we're called to be a leading voice uh, as the church, as individual believers, then we have to be careful of the narrative that we're listening to and the narrative that we're creating. So did you know that we were not created just to find happiness on earth and then float off to heaven where it will be eternally happy? Did you know that that's not actually why you're here? Now, do I want to be happy? Yes. You know, happy, 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 happy. I'll sing that song just along with everybody else. But that was not our goal and our purpose, just to be happy and not to make an impact and not to be a contributor in our world. So I hate the phrase. If you see on cards, magnets, you know, everything says, do what makes you happy. I think... I would have died of a chocolate overdose a long time ago if I just did what made me happy. I'd be broken, well-dressed. I'd be full of chocolate and candy. So we can't just, that's not our purpose, it's just to do what makes us happy. Now, like I said, I want to enjoy my life, but I'll enjoy it and I'll be the happiest when I'm living in my purpose, when I'm living what God has created me to do and be. And so will you. He's put a purpose on the inside of you. And we have an amazing opportunity to create a culture of heaven on the earth today. Now, maybe you think, I don't know what that looks like. Well, I believe God's going to lead you in how to walk that out for your own life. Jesus said to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, when we pray, we're not praying empty words, and it's not just something that we say, but we're actively engaging with a power that we have access to, and we're saying on, on earth as it is in heaven. The culture of heaven is available to us, and we're on the earth. Nobody else can say that. We're the ones on the earth today. We can pull heaven to earth in this time. So, um, a big question is, what narrative are we listening to? So um, I grew up in a house with a lot of women. I had my mom, I have four sisters, and a dad who's more social than any of us, all of us combined. So there were a lot of words all the time. Can you relate? Lots of girls, usually lots of words. So lots of words all the time, just never stopping. Now, have you ever had uh, an experience in your life where you just knew something, like it's just the way you did some things all the time? For example, when I lived at home with my parents, you put the ketchup in the fridge. That was just what you did. I didn't know there was another way. You just put the ketchup in the fridge. So when you moved out or you got married, you noticed somebody else has a different way of doing things. So I, I recognized when I moved out, moved in with a roommate, they always kept their, their ketchup in the cupboard. I think food poisoning, but they're alive, so it must have worked for them. So there are things that, that we don't recognize in our life that are just the way we were, just the way we grew up. So all of that to say, living in a house with lots and lots of voices, when I moved out and got around other people in another environment, I recognized a bad habit that I have or had, I've worked on it, I'm still working on it. When there's a lot of voices and you want your voice to be heard, a lot of times you'll just talk all over each other. So I would notice that I had this habit of cutting people off mid-sentence, talking louder, finishing their sentences when they didn't need me to finish their sentence. I would just talk on top of people because there's so many voices. So that's a habit that I didn't, I didn't recognize because there's a lot of girls, we all wanna be heard, we all have something to say, it's important. So. You should have been with us. Like buying ice cream was like, you didn't want to be in that aisle when we were buying ice cream. But so when there's a lot of voices and there's a lot of talk, we can have a habit that we don't even recognize that we have. So there are voices in our world all over the place, more than ever, because we have the internet. We have technology. There are voices saying to us all the time, 24-7, we are receiving information, whether it's through our any of our five senses, we're receiving information. It's always, always, always coming at us, um, and we don't even recognize it. How many of you have ever um, 
noticed ad placement in a movie. It's like a crime show, and it's like, oh, there's a bad guy, let's go, in our amazing 2018 Toyota RAV4. Like, they're communicating even when they're communicating. It's like inside of itself. So we're always receiving information. We're always hearing voices. So um, I typed into YouTube, just as an example, I typed into YouTube how to, and you know how it'll automatically bring up like some things that have been searched before. And some of the things were how to ask a girl out. You can YouTube that. How to be a gangster. <laughs> how to cut a pomegranate. How to do a backflip. Oh my God, like be careful what you YouTube. I don't, <laughs> it's not always the best way. How to trim a hedgehog's nails. <laughs> how to learn Japanese. So that's just YouTube, and that was just me typing in how to. So that's just one website in a sea of websites, and that's just the internet, not counting the people talking to you, the news, the radio, everything that you're receiving, lots and lots of voices. So what happens when we're hearing lots and lots of voices all of the time? This is one thing that we can do, is we can form an opinion for ourselves. We say, I've had enough of all these voices, this is what I think, and everybody else is dumb. We just shut everybody else out. We say, this is the way it is. So what we can do is create a habit inside of ourselves is where we say, I've had enough of everyone else. This is what I think. If you want to know what I think, I'll tell you, but I don't care what you think. So we have this habit now. I'm saying it in a harsh way. But sometimes we can do this because just culture. It's just that habit that we develop because we're hearing all of these voices. So what that can do is hinder our ability to listen and to empathize, and to see from another person's perspective. So you may not agree, and they might be wrong, but a lot of times, because we just cut everybody else off, we miss out on things that they could contribute to our lives, things that we actually need in our own lives. And so um, I saw this story, I read this story in a new way in Matthew 26, and this is the story of Jesus um, and the woman at Bethany. So um, this was right before Jesus was ready to, to um, he was going to be crucified. And verse 6 says, While Jesus was in Bethany in the, Soma, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why the waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it in to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, whatever this gospel, whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So, beautiful story, because this woman gave what was valuable to her. But if you look, the disciples were right. They, they were right. She could have sold the perfume and given the money to the poor. And as a Christian, as a, you know, a person who's wanting to do good, you don't even have to be a Christian, you think, that's great, awesome, she did a noble thing. But Jesus didn't see it that way, because Jesus knew that she knew something that they didn't know. So sometimes we cut off and we say, that was dumb. Why did you do that? Why, why the waste? But she knew something that they didn't know. And so Jesus said, wherever my story is told, her story is going to be part of it. Her story is going to be in it. And so what we don't want to do is cut off someone's, or someone's voice, someone from speaking into our lives because we don't agree with everything that they say. And that's a habit that we can form because we're just hearing so many voices, because that is a part of our culture. We're being inundated with information constantly and opinion. So in our world of heightened emotions and loud voices and political parties and divide, we have to be careful that we don't also cut off a world that needs us because we see things differently. And they might have something that we need. Um, Chris Vallotton talks about Joseph and Pharaoh. You can listen to the full sermon if you want it, but I just grabbed this little clip. Um, and he said, Joseph had a dream and Pharaoh had a dream. If you're not aware, Joseph um, 
was what we would say the good guy. Pharaoh was what we would say the bad guy. Um, Joseph had a dream and Pharaoh had a dream. If Joseph didn't dream, Pharaoh would have died in a famine. But if Pharaoh didn't dream, Joseph would have died in a prison. They didn't realize it, but Joseph and Pharaoh were partners in destiny and they didn't even know it. So some, if we would just tune out Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh, he's an unjust king, he's an unjust ruler, then a whole nation wouldn't have received the prosperity that Joseph had because Pharaoh dreamed. So oftentimes we can partner with others, even when we're not, we don't always see things eye to eye. We don't always see things exactly the same. So we don't want to cut off. We don't want to cut off our empathy, our ability to feel what another person is feeling and to connect with another person. Um, because a lot of times without us ever knowing it, we're partnering, partnering with them in destiny. Um, and it's not just for us, but it's for the world around us. So um, power chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody knows it as the love chapter. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I think that's the highest uh, standard of living found in the Bible, <laughs> to live that way. So can you imagine if our world ran all of our communication through that filter? Can you just imagine if one person ran all of their communication through that filter? Love is patient. Love is kind. That means there's no gossip. That means there's no speaking against someone. There's no complaining. There's no, and all of the negative things that could come out of us that we are actually speaking into our atmosphere and into our world and creating culture, if we ran it through this filter first, even just if we picked one and started there, because this is a lofty goal, if we just started with one and, and tuned our communication in this powerful, loving way, the, the, the impact that we could make on our culture around us, not just to fellow believers, but to people who have never experienced a good experience with a believer, with Jesus, who have never encountered love in that way. Just by our communication in that way, in, through the filter of love, we are actually creating a culture that the world needs. We're creating solutions for the world's problems, whether that just be a disagreement in the office or in the home, Whatever, whatever your, um, your sphere is in that moment, just by our communication, we can be leaders of culture in our world. So uh, we started out saying we're powerful people. This is one of the ways we can be powerful and lead in our culture is just by tuning our communication and not just picking up what everybody else is saying and not tur turning off what everybody else is saying, but allowing our hearts to be open and then we're going to get, we're going to, get to uh, the closed part. So another way the pendulum can swing. So one way is we just cut off every voice that we don't like. You have nothing to say to me. You're dumb. We just do it all the time. We just don't say it. If you say it, you're bolder than me. <laughs> um, but another thing that we can do is we hear so many voices that we try to relate to every perspective. And we actually don't know what we believe. We don't know what we think because, well, I don't want to make them mad. I don't want to do what's wrong for them. That's what they believe. And so that's another way we can swing this pendulum is we try to take in all of the opinions and all of the voices, and we don't actually, we can't even hear ourselves anymore. So how many of you know that Muhammad is not the way to the Father? Are we aware of this in this room? Okay. Now, I can love a Muslim and still believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. How many of you know that God created, in the beginning, God created male and female? Do we know this? Okay. I can love a homosexual and still believe that God didn't mess up when he created them. So there's two ways of thinking where we just block off anything we don't want to hear, and there's another way of thinking of not blocking off anything, and we just hear it all. So there are a lot of voices saying a lot of things, but we still have to know what we believe. In Matthew 
16, 14 through 19. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I can just see Jesus when he says, who does the world say that I am? And they say all these voices, all these voices that they're hearing. And then he said, Peter, or disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I can just see Jesus going, he gets it. He gets it. All these voices. And he knows mine. He knows the one. And so Jesus says, because you know who I am, You'll be a steady, stable rock that not even hell can move. And I give you authority to rule and to create the culture of heaven on the earth. He said that about the church. Guess who's in the church? We are. So when we know what we believe, when we know his voice, when we know what he's saying, in the midst of all the other voices, not even hell can stand against us. We'll be steady. We'll be stable. We'll know who we are, and we'll have the authority to bind on earth and to loose, to bind on earth and it be bound in heaven, to loose on earth and it be loosed in heaven. When we know his voice above all the other voices, we'll walk with authority that we were created to walk with. We'll rule because we were created to rule, because we know his voice in the midst of everything else. So, Ruling and reigning, how many of you are actual royalty? Like, they would recognize you in the government as royalty. No. So what does it actually look like to rule and reign? Mark 16, 14 through 18 says, Later, after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith, and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and, they will, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So I'm going to break this down a little bit. You can leave up the first part if you would like. Um, First of all, Jesus rebuked the disciples because they didn't believe that Jesus was really on the earth. He He had risen, and there were witnesses that saw him back on the earth. And the disciples were like, that's that's crazy. We saw him leave. He's not here. So Jesus rebuked them. He said, Um, He rebuked them for their lack of faith and stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So um, we have to be ones who believe that Jesus is still on the earth today because he's in us, right? So Jesus is in us. So we don't want to be ones that Jesus is rebuking and saying, why didn't you believe that I'm still here? So in the midst of dark times, what would look like perilous times, we can't be ones that say, well, one day Jesus is coming to rescue us all. Is it true Jesus is coming back? Yes, but he's also inside of us. He's also given us power to live in this world that he doesn't see as a lost cause. So we can't just stand back and say, well, Bible says dark will get darker, but the light will get lighter. We can't just say it's a powerless, like a powerless thing. Well, Bible says times are going to be bad. Guess we can't do anything about it. No, Jesus is inside of us. We are carrying the authority to create heaven on the earth. So I was thinking about this and saying that in a powerless way, it kind of sounds like, well, Jesus is just hiding in a closet somewhere waiting to come and rescue us when things get bad enough. 
So I guess things aren't bad enough yet. It's going to get worse, guys. Can you see how you're going to live if that's your thinking? Of Oh, it's just bad. But it's supposed to be. Bible says it's going to be bad. But to me, that sounds like a powerless Jesus. It sounds like a powerless gospel. And it's not a powerless gospel. He's inside of us. He's still on the earth through us. So I think that Jesus is only in the closet when we are. Because if we have Jesus inside of us, the only way we can say that it's so dark is because we're not shining. I mean, it makes logical sense to me. If we're the light, it can't be dark unless we're hiding. We can't hide from the darkness. If we try to hide from the darkness, then we can't say, well, darkness is overcoming the light. We can't use that as an excuse because the only way the darkness wins is if the light is hiding. So if I walk into a room, think about this. If I walk into a room, I can't turn on darkness. So if I walked into this room, I can't turn on darkness. The only way to achieve darkness is to turn off the lights, right? So darkness doesn't win. Darkness doesn't have the power. Light does. And if light hides, then it's using its power and darkness gets to reign. But the Bible says in John 1.5 that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So with that being true, if it's a dark room and I walk in it, darkness can't understand. It can't comprehend it. As long as my light is shining. We won't sing the song now. Uh, the darkness doesn't hold the power. Light does. Light chooses whether it's going to shine or not shine. When light enters darkness, darkness has no power over it. So if we really believe that we are who God says we are, if we really believe that he is who he says that he is, we won't be worried about the world getting darker. All that we hear, all of the voices, everything that we see, the world is getting darker. We won't be worried about that if our light is shining, if we still believe that there's power inside of us and not just power of Jesus coming back to rescue us because that is true, but it's as true that Jesus is inside of us today and we have the power over the darkness that we're seeing and over the darkness that we're feeling that's being constantly shown to us. We can't hide our lights even when it looks so dark. So that's a real fear breaker because if you're walking in fear over what you see, if you, if you think, if you turn the light on, I'm powerful. I have the light. I am the light. That's a real fear breaker just in your mind. If you just start to think that I am the light and I have power, when you see those things and fear tries to get in and you turn the light on, fear can't comprehend it anymore. Darkness can't, it can't make sense because you have power. You're the light. So um, then in verse 15, it's, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So the gospel is the good news of Jesus. So for us to uh, preach the gospel, to disciple nations, Jesus also said, go and disciple nations. It means make them um, be ones that they want to follow. For us to do that, we can't look at yesterday's solutions and look back at the good old days. And we can't cry out and say, Jesus, come back quickly. He said it in the Bible and he said quickly and he's still not here. So. Don't cry out for yesterday and don't cry out for tomorrow because today you have the power and you have the authority to, to make an impact in your world. And sometimes we think, well, the world is so big and I'm so small. How do I make any impact? Well, you, your life, you have choices in your own life. Wherever you go on a Monday morning, wherever you go on, where, whatever the people around you, whatever your sphere of influence is, if you start believing that you have power in your sphere of influence, then you are working out this gospel. You are going into all the world and preaching the gospel to all creation because people are his creation, right? So he puts you here, right here, right now, this day, with everything that you need to rule and reign on the earth. Verse 16, he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. He says it pretty plainly. Those who believe will be saved. Those who do not believe won't be saved. That means we don't have the power or the, we don't need to make someone believe. What we are given to do is to preach a good gospel. So 
then it's just always a reminder, what gospel am I preaching? What, what am I, when I'm saying something, when I'm communicating, am I communicating a good God? Am I communicating a loving God? Am I communicating a just God, a kind God, a merciful God? What is the gospel that I'm presenting? Because we can present a bad gospel or a good gospel, but the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus, is a very, very, very good gospel. So it's our job to represent that really well. And we're all a work in progress. This is not like, I'm not wagging my finger at you. I'm just saying, we are a powerful people who have authority, um, and we have an amazing opportunity to share a good gospel with our world that everyone else would say is going to hell in a handbasket, but it's not. So, and then Jesus says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Okay, if you've been in the church for a long time, you've probably seen someone drive out a demon, or if you read the Bible, Jesus cast out a demon. Okay, so is it wrong to do that? No. But if you go and like to your office and do that, um, I mean, maybe if it's time for that, if God sets it up, sure. But there are times where it's not just appropriate to say, in the name of Jesus, to your boss, you know? So, but what we can do, I think, is if the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, so prophecy is seeing the prophetic destiny inside of someone and pulling it up to the surface. That is through edification, exhortation, and comfort. So if I see someone, if I see Diane, and I speak a word uh, that I'm seeing over, so the Lord says that you are, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not prophesying right now, <laughs> but the Lord says that you are, not, not even the Lord said, Diane, you have an amazing mind. You can figure this out. Okay, if I say that with the grace of God on my words, then all of a sudden I just spoke into something and say she's hopeless in that moment. She doesn't see solutions. She doesn't see um, that there's a way out. Just by me communicating that to her in a very non-religious way, um, it's going to shift the atmosphere. And, you know, if there's an intruder in your house, but you didn't know it was there, so say, like, there's just an intruder just chilling on my, uh, my couch in my living room, but I never know that it's there. I won't kick it out because I just, he's just there. I don't know he's there. But the moment I know that he's there, get out of my house. You can't be here. You can't sit on my couch. Get out. So when we speak prophetically over someone, there's a grace that God gives to us and gives to them that they see something that they never saw before. And just by that, the demon has to go because all of a sudden they're aware of an intruder in their life that they, they weren't aware of before. So they, the, the demon is cast out. So when it says cast out demons, that's just as much a way of casting out a demon as get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> we can prophetically call out the prophetic de the destiny in people just by our communication, just by what we say, just by asking God, what, what do you have to say in this moment? Those words of knowledge that can shift an atmosphere in a life or in a culture, in a community. So um, that's just a way to, I thought, you know, that's casting out a demon. Because if you're not aware that it's there, you'll leave it there. When you're aware of it, you'll kick it out. So um, it doesn't always have to look like, um, like we think it will. Um, then it says, the Bible, the same passage says, you will speak in new tongues. So we all know we have, um, we have access to the Holy Spirit. We can speak in the language of the Holy Spirit. But could a new tongue also be technology? Because we're in a world today that uses a different language than was used in 1806. Could a language, a new language, be legislation? Could a new language be um, had solutions that the world's never seen before? The church was created to be the forerunners in these areas of technology, of legislation, of government, of education, of all these things. So um, God says the believers will be given, will have new languages, a new language. So I believe that the language of 2017 is a language that we have access to. Whatever that would look like, we have access to it. We are powerful people. Then it says, verse 18, this one's great. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink a deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. If we took the Bible literally, <laughs> Jesus is saying, you can pick up snakes. Sure, if you want to take it that way and walk that out. 
I won't stop you. I might not be near you, but I won't stop you. Um, but could this also be being in proximity with sinners, unbelievers, people who are doing things that we don't agree with, people who are doing destructive things, and we're not harmed by it? I'm not saying to go make best friends with a sinner, with somebody who's doing destructive things. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we can be in a dark world and be unaffected by it when, when we know what we believe. In Psalms it says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who, who do not trust in an idol or swear by a first false god. So I look at that as who can ascend and keep on ascending? Who can stand and keep on standing on, in the mountain of the Lord? Those who keep their hearts pure, who can walk in the midst of snakes and deadly poison, and it won't affect them because they, they know who they believe. They know what they believe. And then verse 18 says, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. How many of you want to see more miracles, more healings, more signs and wonders. That can happen in a church service. That can happen by giving someone a hug because you're laying your hands on them and your hands hold healing. We have access to the things of heaven. So how do we live out this great commission, which uh, that whole passage is what the Bible calls the great commission. Um, co-mission. We're co-partnering with him on the earth. So how do we live this out? First is by recognizing that we're not powerless people biding our time until Jesus comes back. We were born to rule and reign today as much as for all eternity. So what does it look like to being a powerful person? Powerful people know their identity. So this starts with knowing that you were handpicked by God with a purpose on purpose. It's believing that God has given you power, love, and a sound mind. It's believing that he is for you and with you and he'll never leave you. It's believing that you have what it takes because you're his child. And as a child of God, you're no longer a slave to fear, shame, insignificance, hopelessness, etc. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It's believing the good gospel and appropriating it for your own personal life. So if you don't know those things about yourself, um, that, that leads to powerlessness, powerless thinking. Now, we have to constantly be building ourselves up in this. This isn't something you learn when you're three and then you've got it forever and ever. This is something you're constantly reminding yourself of your identity in God. So we have a who's teaching the baby's curriculum that all it is is the Bible written in simple words that we speak over our babies, we speak over our children. This, these principles, so like speaking the word of God over yourself is not just for babies. Most people don't think that it is for babies, but it's not just for babies. It's for any age. So I don't know how many times somebody's been struggling with somebody, something, and I send them who's teaching the baby's material, and I say, read this out loud over yourself. Why? Because speaking that over your, over your life and creating um, a foundation of identity inside of you is actually shifting your, your whole countenance, your whole identity um, is being changed from powerless to powerful. Now, this takes time, and it takes um, repetition. So I thought, um, I'm not married, but how many of you women who are married and took your husband's last name, when you got married and changed your name, you got it right away? Like, when you were signing things, when you were saying your name, it was like you automatically had the other person's name. Like, like Gretchen, you were automatically a person. Like, just day one, and you had it down. Maybe it depends how long you were together, you were practicing. But it, it can take time to learn our new name. So we have to be constantly reminding ourselves of our identity in God, constantly filling ourselves with, with the word of God and um, what he says about us. And have you ever, uh, and you also, so you want to be in the word of God. Um, you want to personally be reminding yourself, saying it out loud, but you also want to be around people who are speaking the language that you want to speak. So have you ever watched uh, or gone somewhere? Have you ever gone or, um, so like for me, I was watching this show called The Great British Bake Off. And I love this show because, because I just do. I like cooking and I like cake. So it worked. But it's British. And so when you watch British TV, how many of you afterwards, you find yourself thinking or speaking 
with an accent that's not really yours. If I say you guys and I go down south, it's not going to be long before I'm saying y'all. Because we adapt, we adopt the culture, the language that's around us. So when you're wanting to, sh to um, in reinforce your identity inside of you, do everything that you can to be around people who are speaking the language that you want to speak. So a powerful person knows their identity. Another thing a powerful person does is they make powerful choices. So every day is a new choice for me to look in the mirror and to learn how to walk out that freedom for my own life. So we have a, back to our nursery, we have a house in our nursery. Um, it's, it's just a dollhouse, but we use this dollhouse as an illustration to show our power. And so, um, like I said before, you, don't, you wouldn't let an intruder just stay in your house. If somebody walked into my house, and I, I was aware of it, they walked into my house and started taking all the food out of my fridge. I'm not going to be okay with that. They cannot come in and rob my fridge or anything. Danielle would also not be okay with this. Probably especially would not be okay with this. So if an intruder is coming into our house and we believe that we have no power, we will let them take whatever they want. But if we believe that we have power, get out of my fridge, get out of my house. And sometimes it's as simple as that. Simple in the practice, but powerful in the, the authority that we have. Um, so when something is coming in, we might say, well, I don't, I don't have anything. There's no intruders in my house. But so if, if you ever watch the news and you become afraid, then there's an intruder coming to steal your peace. So sometimes these things, are we don't think about them in this way. But if we can start to think, there's an intruder in my house, my person, my house, my soul. So did you ever have um, a bad attitude and you blamed it on your kids or your coworkers? You're rendering your power over to someone else. For me, I've gotten into the, I don't know, I just try to be self-aware. But I'll be the first one to tell you I have a bad attitude. Listen, somebody will come to me for something. I have a bad attitude right now. So I, I, just give me a second, and then I will, I will fix myself, and then I'll get back to you. So sometimes we just got to be so self-aware that we don't let, render our power over to something or someone else. We do it all the time. Every time we make an excuse. I used to go into the high school, and we had a rule that they could not say, I can't, while they were in my classroom. You can't say, I can't. You have to say, I choose not to. Because I can't is powerless language. And so they would call me out. If I said I can't, you said I can't. You choose not to. And then I would repent to them. Okay, you're right. You're right. I choose not to. But if we just start being aware of powerless language and changing it into powerful language, then that's a way that we go from powerless to powerful in our everyday lives. And so um, did you ever hear someone say something um, to you about you, about someone else? and it wrecked your entire day. I can't believe they said that. Everything you think is, is this. Like you're just going over and over and over and over and over it. And you, it keeps you up at night. You can't have peace. You can't, have, you can't focus on something because it's just over and over and over. That's an intruder, not the person, but there's an intruder coming in whatever shape, size, form to steal your peace, to steal your focus, to steal your productivity, whatever it is. There's an intruder. And if we can just recognize that we can just say, somebody's trying to steal out of my fridge right now. Somebody's trying to steal something from me, and I'm not okay with it. Get out. And just saying that, that's an authority statement. That's a power statement. Get out. And go on. You might have to say this every five seconds. Get out. Get out. Get out. Because you're training your brain to think in a different way. You're actually training your physical brain to think in a different way. Amanda could probably give you more science on this than I can. But um, our, our physical, literal brain creates memory. So when that, like that happens, somebody says something, anything. And it's, you're just tormented by it. The more you rehearse it, the more you let that thing roll in your mind, it's creating memory. And the next time somebody says something, maybe totally unrelated. If it hits that memory, look out because they're going to get it because it's going through an old memory, an old cycle of thinking. Um, I won't give you an example now. But so the more we, we say, get out, 
get out, get out. The more we just train, even if it starts with that and you're like, I'm never getting this. No, that's powerless language. Uh, get out. I'm working on this. I'm training my brain. The more we do that, then we are actually renewing our physical, literal mind. So it's a natural thing as much as it is a spiritual thing. So sometimes we just have to do some house cleaning. So when a feeling of insignificance or failure or hopelessness or um, fear or shame, whatever it is, tries to come in and steal anything from you, steal any kind of peace, just tell it to get out and change. And then if you want to go a step farther, speak the opposite. So don't use powerless language like I can't, like this always happens to me. I had certain siblings. I used to say, no, no, it didn't. This does not always happen to you. I never. No, no. It's powerless language. Don't, don't use those things. So, um, and then again, you want to have people in your life who are able to back this up. So if you think about um, it as your house, um, you want people in your life who have the security code in case you forget it. You want people who, in your life who can come as backup and remind you that you have a full arsenal and a security code keeping you safe, keeping you, um, your identity intact and protected. So have people around you who have the code to your success, to your freedom. So powerful people know their identity. Powerful people um, use powerful language. And powerful people are not victims. So this does not mean that something that nothing bad ever happens to you. Um, you know, there are, there are victims in that way, and I want to acknowledge that just because it's not, I'm not saying that you haven't been a victim of something, but um, they do not live with a victim mentality in their life. Um, so powerless people, people who believe that they're victims, will blame others for what is happening to them or around them. They'll feel helpless, and they don't see solutions. Um, so for me, I'm a solutions person, it's kind of like my thing. Like if you bring me a problem, I will immediately go into figuring out how to solve the problem. It might have nothing to do with me. It's just where I go. It's just, I just bring, no, don't bring me all your problems. Don't do that. So, but I'm just saying like, that's just a natural tendency for me is to um, want to figure it out. So, but what I've re I recognized is that a lot of times um, when someone has a problem, instantly I'll want to give them 10 solutions that they can use. And sometimes that's not the most powerful thing I can do for that person. Sometimes the most powerful thing that I can do for that person is not giving them the solution, but helping them to come up with the solution in themselves. So Danny Silk uses this phrase, which I love, and he, um, he'll say, well, what are you going to do? And so if somebody comes to me with a problem, I could say, well, you can do this, 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 and this. And then they'll, I guarantee you, they will come up with a reason why none of those things will work. I guarantee you. But if you say, oh man, that's so horrible. What are you going to do? It's the most powerful thing that I could say to them because it's turning their power on. It's pulling a demand on the solution that is there somewhere. Now, I'm not saying that we can't help each other out. There are times and places for this. But sometimes giving someone the solution, giving a powerless person a solution will not work. It'll end up powerless again. But giving a powerless person the, the light switch to know that they are powerful can change their whole life if they choose to walk into that. So that's a power question. What are you going to do? So if your toddler comes to you and says, Mommy, I spilled milk all over the floor. Oh no, what are you going to do? So they might be expecting you to clean it up, but now you said, well, I guess I'm gonna have to get a mop. Like it turns the power on. So you can use that, that's an example. Danny Silk uses it with children a lot, but it works for all ages. It's a great power statement. So, um, so a powerless person uh, will hold unforgiveness against people who have wronged them. Uh, Lewis Smead says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. And a powerless person will often see themselves as less than, which goes back to identity. If we can just reinforce our identity over and over and over again. Now, 
I'm not saying that all of us have any of this figured out. We're still all working on it. But if to be powerful people, there are principles and there are things that we can enact in our lives that are going to um, cause us to go from that thinking, whether it's small scale of just our own personal lives or big scale of seeing all that's going on in the world. It's going to take us from going from a place of powerlessness to a place where we know that we're powerful to lead our own lives first and then to lead, to recognize we have the authority to lead culture around us. And lastly, powerful people see God as more powerful. So being a powerful person does not mean that your life is perfect. Pastor Steve has said this throughout the years. I got problems. You got problems. All God's people got problems, right? So we all have problems that we're working through. It doesn't mean that we have to live perfect lives in the least bit. But being a powerful person means believing that he is perfect. So I forget who said this example. If you know, please tell me afterwards. But something to the extent of this. So take the biggest problem, the biggest thing that you can think of, the most overwhelming situation that you can conjure up and draw, and draw that as a circle. So this circle represents the biggest, most overwhelming thing in your life. Okay? Now, if I'm looking at that, it seems overwhelming by its very nature. Now, think of God and draw a circle around that circle. God is always bigger. Always, always, always. He's always more powerful. He's always perfect. He's always bigger than the biggest thing we could come up with. Always. I just listened to a message um, by Abby Stunvall, and she said, if we look to the future um, with fear, or we look to the future and get overwhelmed, so much of our energy is consumed with things that will never happen. So if we look to the future instead and we see the goodness of God there, how much energy are we going to save? Because we're not, we're not wasting it on something that will never even happen. God is always bigger than our biggest problem. Always, always. So when we do that, when we see God as powerful and we believe that, we'll live out the Great Commission and we'll be the safest, healthiest, most innovative, creative leaders in our world. I actually believe that. So that could be something small, like being a really great employee that creates a healthy environment just in the McDonald's drive-thru, in the warehouse, wherever you do. That could be as small as that, just being a healthy person in your life that actually echoes off and creates a healthy environment, even if it's just to one person. And then it's going to echo and ripple from there. That could be a dad who raises their kids to have healthy emotions. It could be a parent. It could be someone who's impacting the government or the community. It could be someone who writes legislation that helps to heal nations. So power, believing that we are powerful people in him, will transform our world. I believe it with all my heart. So it doesn't matter how big your platform is. It's about being powerful people. Who, and living out who we were called to be. The world needs us. The world needs us. Our big, dark, scary world is not so scary when you believe the power and the light that you have in the inside of you. So we say no to fear. We say no to chaos. We say no to torment because we carry love. We carry peace. We carry hope. We carry solutions. So I want to play a song. I'm sorry, Rebecca. I didn't tell you this beforehand. There's a song in there. I just want to play this song. And as it goes, and the lyrics will be on the screen, I just want us to declare this over our lives. It's a very simple song, but it's called I Am No Victim. So this is a power song. And so just as we're doing this together, declare this over your life. From this day forward, say, God, help me to see the power that I have. Help me to live a powerful life. And so um, we're just going to do that. Just declare this over your life. Father, I just declare over us, God, that you are our Father, that you have enough vision and enough wisdom to usher in our brightest days. And God, I thank you that our brightest days are before us as people, as individuals, God, but I declare it over our nation. Your brightest days are before you. I declare that over our world. Just say that. Your brightest days are before you. Just say it. Your brightest days are before you. God, we thank you that we are powerful people. 
with a powerful God on the inside of us. God, and we choose to walk out powerful lives. And Father, right now I ask for your perfect grace that enables us to succeed in every moment of every day. God, we lean into your grace. God, we lean into your ability to succeed, your ability to prosper and to thrive. And I speak to every spirit of hopelessness in this place. God, and I tell you to go right now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of hopelessness must go. Depression, you must go. Fear, you must go. In Jesus' name, this is a place of power. This is a place of a powerful God and powerful people. So I release that over your lives. I release peace. I release comfort. I release hope. I release success over you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. So that song is called I Am No Victim by Christine DeMarco. It's a power song. Sing it over your life every day. Um, but right now, if you have a physical um, pain or symptom in your body, um, can I have the healing team come up? And then if you have anything that you would want um, healed today, come on up and have one of these awesome people um, help you in that. Loretta has a word of knowledge. Left hip stiffness or pain. There again, it could be the right, but I was feeling it at my left, and also pressure over the top of your head. All right, so if that fits any of you, um, come on up. If not, if you have something else you want prayed for, come on up. Everybody else, you're dismissed. We love you. Have an awesome day.